This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio. And I thank you for joining me on this very, very cold Friday night in Pittsburgh. And as I say every week, I hope it's warm wherever you are. Certainly not 15 degrees, which it is right now, according to my laptop and my weather channel app on my phone. It's pretty cold. It's 15, and it feels like it's colder, according to the real feel. But who cares about that? 15 is enough, right? You don't need to, you don't need to make it any more dramatic. But I thank you for joining me. And uh, before I continue, just wanted to, as always, please encourage you to like and subscribe to our Behind the Steel Curtain YouTube channel, where we bring you live shows each and every day of the week, including this show, The Hangover, Steelers Preview, Steelers Post Game. Know Your Enemy, which is now the curtain call, I believe. Uh, is that it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's the curtain call with Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict. We have touched on under with the boys from Aussie, Aussie land. Uh, so uh, we have Scobro show. Yes. How long have I been doing this? A couple years now. Can't remember the names of the shows, but that's okay. You know them. We are one of the most uh, popular Steelers podcasting platforms there is so i'm sure you know the shows you know them quite well so please check those out live on youtube or live on facebook so if you're watching me on facebook you know that you know that you get a uh, a live Steelers show every day so I, I i thank you for joining me on facebook and please as i always say it's facebook you're rough and uh, you're rough and tumble you're 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 uh, bare knuckle on facebook so please be nice please be nice and civilized while you're watching the show and participating. And if you can't catch any of these live shows live, you can catch them after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. I personally like iHeartRadio, but you can catch them on Spotify, wherever. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Behind the Still Curtains podcast platform. And we also have a whole host of audio-only shows that, of course, you can catch on any audio platform including the live mic with Michael Beck from the cutting room floor with uh, Jeffrey Benedict. Let's ride with Jeff Hartman. Uh, the stat geek with Dave Schofield, the war room with Maddie Peverall. What Yin's talking about with Kyle Christ. I think I said, I think I said the name, right? If, if not, then I, I, I'm probably sacrilegious. I'm sorry. But I, he just had me on earlier because, uh, well, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but but I won an award, so you have to tune in to the uh, to the next uh, what he's talking about with uh, with Kyle and 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 and, and uh, I think he's the only one. I'm not sure he does the show, but you have to you have to uh, tune in the, into that show to find out which award I won, and you won't be sorry. So please check that out, and of course uh, check out behind the still curtain the website. We bring you news, 
commentary, film breakdown, anything Steelers related. You can find it there. It's to me, it's the best Steelers site there is other than Steelers.com. And I think it's better than Steelers.com because they don't have, well, they don't have like Mark Davis and Matty Peverall and all those great personalities, Shannon White, who brings you such, so much, uh, just really reasoned and rational insight every every week on The Hangover. Brian Anthony Davis, our hardworking podcasting manager. Uh, of course, all the writers, uh, Jeffrey Benedict, me. Well, not me, but, you know, other people like Jeff Hartman and, every, you know, uh, Michael, uh, you name it. There's so many writers on there. So I think it's the best, personally, but I'm biased. I'm bi- Like my mother, she says I'm handsome. She might be biased. I don't know. She Maybe she has good taste. I, I don't know, but. But I think personally, behind the store curtain is the greatest Steelers website there is. So please check it out. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. And let's check out the live chat before I continue. And Jared Devil, I saw Jared Devil was the first one in. So welcome, Jared Devil. Brian O'Toole, who I haven't seen in a few weeks. George Teston, Knight Rider 16. Brad Jewett. Uh, let's see. Did I get everybody? That's everybody so far. Dave, Dave Covey. <laughs> who already asked the uh, the burning question that everybody's been asking since last Sunday. Who should the Steelers' next quarterback, who should be the Steelers' next quarterback? And I promise you, Dave, I will get to that in a bit. But before I get to that, and of course, John Knox joins us, Greg W. Before I get to that, I just want to uh, talk about last Sunday and how the season ended with the 42-21 uh, to 21 loss to the Chiefs. In the wild card game, the wild card game at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday night football on NBC. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, you're not shocked by the outcome of that game. Um I I uh I hearkened back to a few years earlier in Colin Cowherd, and I wish I could find this stat online somewhere, but I can't. But on his weekly show, his national uh radio show leading up to the Steelers and Jaguars division around playoff game following the 2017 season. He listed a stat that said that teams that won in the regular season teams that defeated another team, I should say by 21 points or more in the regular season were like, I don't know, 90% likely or whatever the, whatever, however he put it, they were overwhelming, overwhelming favorites to win. And if, if the two teams met again in, the playoffs. And I kind of wanted to keep it to myself last week. Uh, even though a lot of people, including Brian and, you know, they, everybody was optimistic that, 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 that seeing the chiefs on December 26 and, 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 and uh, being ex- exposed to their, their strategy and their tendencies and everything else would benefit them uh, in the rematch, even though they lost 36 to 10 that game. So I wanted to keep that to myself, but in the back of my mind, I kind of thought, yeah, they probably don't have much of a chance because uh, the NFL is all about matchups. And uh, as we saw in 2017, the Jaguars pretty much did what did to the Steelers in, in the postseason, what they did to them in the uh, regular season. And they beat them up. They beat them up pretty good. And yeah, it was close early. Actually, Pittsburgh had the lead. Uh, early in the second half or the second quarter, I should say, thanks to a uh, a forced fumble by Cam Hayward on some kind of wildcat play by the Chiefs. Why, why they ever decided to run and play like that with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, 
is beyond me, but maybe that's a lesson learned for them. But it was like a wild card or a wildcat. I can't talk a wildcat play. And Cam uh, forced a fumble. TJ Watt picked up the fumble and took it in for a touchdown. And it was seven nothing. And holy cow, this is happening. And as I said last week, the best way for Pittsburgh to win that game was to keep things low scoring and keep things ugly. And it really was ugly over the first uh, quarter or so of that game. The two teams kept exchanging punts and, you know, Pittsburgh had a turnover early. Uh, thanks to Devin Bush. Thanks to TJ Watt who, who tipped the pass and Devin Bush intercepted it. And of course, later on the, uh, the scoop and score by TJ Watt, thanks to Cam Hayward. So it was ugly early. And it was certainly ugly for the Steelers' offense, uh, which, you know, you could say that for every game in 2021, really. I mean, every every game this year, they they started off ugly on offense. I mean, like, name one game where they start off hot. I mean, I maybe the Broncos, maybe the Seahawks. I mean, the Bears, I don't know. Maybe they were hot in those games for them. I mean, there were certainly a few games where they they got hot late, uh, you know, the Chargers, Vikings, but by and large, it was an ugly start for the Steelers uh, offense uh, in every game this week and or every game this year. And Sunday night in the postseason was certainly no exception. And uh, after the Steelers scored on defense, the Chiefs came right, came right down the field and, and uh, scored a touchdown and they really they just kept scoring until it was what thirty five to seven, and by then it was game over. And to me, the the absolute point where I knew the game was over was when Travis Kelsey scored that touchdown on third and twenty. I guess it was. I think that was the uh, the uh, third touchdown. But anyway, they scored two touchdowns. The Chiefs scored two t- touchdowns in the last two minutes or so of the of the first half to make it 21-7, and I pretty much knew that was it. Because, first of all, in order for Pittsburgh to come back and win that game, the defense would have to really rise up and just stifle the Chiefs over the last two quarters. And in conjunction with that, the offense would have to suddenly be this juggernaut, the scoring machine, and score at least 17 points or whatever, 15 points uh, to to win the game. And I just didn't see that happening. And of course the, uh, the, the chiefs offense never really stopped scoring until, until they, they scored 42 points and Pittsburgh's offense really didn't score again or at all. I should say again at all until it was garbage time when it was 35 to seven. So uh, the game went pretty much as I expected. I mean, you know, I didn't expect Pittsburgh to have a seven, nothing lead early on thanks to a defensive touchdown, but overall um, it went how I expected. And, you know, a lot of people, I was arguing with people at the end of the game because what else was, was there to do? It was 42 to 14 and then eventually 42, 21. So there was nothing else to do, but argue, argue with people on Twitter at the end of that game. And people were blaming the, you know, saying that the, the defense was out of gas and it was the offense's fault that the defense gave up 42 points. Okay. Uh, maybe, I guess, but the Chiefs scored on six straight drives. After Pittsburgh took a 7 nothing lead on, on the Watt touchdown, 
The Chiefs scored on six straight drives. Now, I realize the offense was horrible, and, you know, uh, it was three and out for three and out uh, through two-plus quarters of the, of, of the game. But if you're an elite defense, uh, if you're a, a, a defense where, you know, you have the defensive player of the year, you have Cam Hayward, you have Mika Fitzpatrick, you have Joe Hayden. Um, you you should rise up and be a, and 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 stop that offense at least once over that six drive span, and they couldn't stop them at all. So, yeah, the de- maybe the offense could have helped. It could have made things easier for the defense by having maybe one or two sustained drives. Uh, and but the fact of the matter is that offense wasn't capable of that all year. We saw it. I mean, you, you, you saw that how the offense performed against the bills in week one, that's how it performed all year. There was never a change. There might've been some spurts where the offense uh, looked pretty good, but it never looked, it was never a consistently good offense at all. I mean, you know, so to expect that offense to suddenly in the playoffs, uh, put the get put together sustained drives and take time off the clock and be efficient and be productive. I mean, that was asking for way too much. So the defense had to rise up and really take control of that game and do what it did against the bills in week one. And I realized the chiefs have a much better offense. I shouldn't say much better, but they have a better offense than the bills have, but it's not much better. I mean, you know, Josh Allen's a, NFL MVP candidate, you know, they have a pretty good thing going on there in Buffalo. We saw that last week against the Patriots where they blew the Patriots out of the water in Buffalo. So they, you know, that's pretty, pretty much what had to happen on Sunday night in order to order for Pittsburgh to have a chance in that game. Now, of course, in Buffalo, Tyson Alulu was, was still around and he was such a, an important part of that defense. And I think we found out how important he was after he, Suffered that season-ending season-ending injury in Week Two against against the Raiders, and the defense was really never the same after that, especially against the run. So, uh, you know, but having said that, that's the kind of performance they needed to put uh, put out there in order to win that game. What they did in Buffalo in Week One, they needed to hold the Chiefs to 17, 20 points, something like that, and maybe have a defensive touchdown, which they did. And, you know, hope the offense could score a couple of touchdowns and, and squeak out a victory. But uh, the offense lived up to its uh, billing. It was pathetic. The defense kind of, I think, bleeped the bed by giving up six straight touchdowns uh, from what the early second quarter through late fourth quarter or, I'm sorry, late, yeah, early second quarter through the late, through early fourth quarter. So, anyway, those are my thoughts on that game. Um, It was Ben Roethlisberger's last game as a Steeler, presumably. And he did, he did, I don't even say okay, because he didn't look good in that game. But he did lead them on a couple of uh, second half touchdown drives. You might say it was garbage time, but still he, he 
you know, he led them to a, a couple of uh, touchdowns, and and uh, I'm glad he went out, at least with his head held high anyway. But as far as the Steelers' season as a whole, I think um, they, based on how the offense performed from week one on, they overachieved. There's no question about it. They overachieved as a team. You know, a lot of the national people were saying they would be lucky to win seven or eight games. And the way they played all year, uh, especially on offense, uh, it turned out to be true. They were lucky to win nine. They won nine games, but how they did that was a miracle. Um, They needed help from from the defense. They needed help with uh, special team or from special teams. And that's how they kind of, Managed to win nine games, you know, but the defense wasn't even as good as it was the previous two years. And that's because of the absence of Alou Alou. Of course, Stefan Tuitt missed the whole year. As good as uh, Alex Highsmith was as a second-year player, and I think he has a lot of potential. Opposite TJ Watt, outside linebacker, he wasn't Bud Dupree. He wasn't 2020 Bud Dupree, you know, so... Uh, of course, Joe Hayden, you know, missed several games with, with injury. Uh, Mika was, uh, I think he was a really good, he had a really good year, probably better than people thought, but, you know, he didn't, he w- really wasn't the high impact player that he had been his previous two years here. So, you know, the uh, defense took a step back. So, you know, for them to, as, as overmatched as they looked for 17 weeks, in 2021 for them to make the playoffs, I think it was a, uh, it was a feather in the cap for the organization, uh, for Mike Thomas head coach. Um, you know, I know he has his critics and he's going to continue to have his critics. And, you know, I, I think it's funny, the, uh, juxtaposition, if I said that word right with a uh, Steeler fans following that game, a lot of fans, a lot of smart fans were, willing to concede the fact that Pittsburgh probably didn't belong on the same field as Kansas city in that wildcard game. The chiefs were clearly superior. And, uh, you know, the fact that they blew the Steelers out was not a shock, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, they're saying, you know, they were out coached. Uh, Tom didn't have his players ready to play. They need to clean house. They need to get rid of, at, at minimum, both coordinators. And, of course, you know, in a in a perfect world for them, Tomlin needs to go. I just thought that was funny. But if you're looking at, you know, everything that uh, happened to this team, starting with uh, last spring, with the start of the uh, new calendar year for the NFL and the financial straits that Pittsburgh was in as far as, you know, the salary cap and all the uh, free agents that they could potentially lose. And they lost Mike Hilton. They lost Bud Dupree. They lost, they lost Matt Filer. They initially lost Tyson Alou before before he had a change of heart and, and decided to re-sign here before he could sign his contract with the Jaguars. Um, you know, if you look at everything that happened, you know, David DeCastro, as it turned out, uh, had a, was suffering from an injury that, that he could never really recover from. They had to cut him. Uh, so, you know, all the rebuilding that they did, they, they, they had to rely on so many 
young players uh, from their last draft class. You're talking about, of course, uh, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Kendrick Green, who ultimately was benched by the end of the year, uh, Dan Moore, Trey Norwood, the punter, um, Presley Harvin. So uh, louder milk. I think it covers everybody. So, you know, everything that happened, um, everything that they, that they had to go through for them to, to have the year they did, I think that was, was, uh, actually better than I thought it would be. So where was I? Let's see what we have here. As far as the live chat, I kind of lost my train of thought. So I got to get, I got to regroup. We have Michael O'Malley's with us, Justin Menneke, Brad Jewett, Richard McKinney, Evgeny, Evgeny, Evgeny Crosby. I don't know what he tries. To, I don't know what he means by that. Mark Tobin, uh, E.M. Marcus, Jarrett, Tiffany Jones, John Knox. Did I say that? Terry Glover. All right. Anyway, I think I droned on enough about last uh, la- last week's game in, in the uh, in the twenty twenty one season. Let's talk about eras. And, of course, Sunday's loss to the Chiefs marked the end of, a, uh, of a, an important era in Steelers history, and that's the era of Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben. From 04 through 2021, he was the, the, stir that stirred, the, the straw that stirred the drink for the Steelers. He was the, uh, the quote, uh, Rick Flair, he was what was causing all this, and that's the resurgence for the Steelers as far as um, being Super Bowl contenders and ultimately champions with uh, victories in 40 and 43, and of course they made it to 45. And uh, he was really the missing link for them. If you uh, if you if you know Steelers history. They struggled to, or they didn't struggle, but they, they had a resurgence in the 90s under Bill Cower. Came close a lot, but never quite got over the, the hump as far as winning that one for the thumb. And it seemed like it always came down to quarterback play in the postseason. That, that's what they were missing, that franchise quarterback to really make that one pass or have that one drive to, to put them over the top. And of course, in the early 2000s, it was the same thing, you know, with Cordell. He was pretty good, but he just wasn't a franchise guy. Tommy Maddox was pretty good, but not a franchise guy. And in the end, neither one of them could really uh, make those key plays at the key moments to win the important games in the postseason. I mean, they won some games in the postseason, but they couldn't take them all the way. And then Ben came along and, uh, he was, he proved to be the catalyst in putting him, putting them over the top. And, uh, he was their, their most pivotal, most important, most critical player for the better part of 18 years here. And he became that symbol for that second Super Bowl era, which was the OOs through 2010. And, um, for so many, so many fans out there who are probably 40 and under, I'm almost 50. So if anybody, I shouldn't say 40 and under, but anybody who's 30 and under, you probably can't even picture anybody else being the quarterback of this team. So 
that's the kind of, that's the the larger than life figure he was here that's the the shadow he cast um as far as a legacy and now he's gone so um it was a great 18 years there's no question and a lot of people think they should have won more super bowls there's the whole you know that whole sentiment out there it's been out there for a decade really but that they wasted you know 10 years of his career if you if you go back to maybe 2011 2012 but uh i think they maximized his career if you're if we're being honest i mean they they had the super bowl team in the in the in the early oos and they just needed that that one guy to put him over the top and he was that guy and they made it to three super bowls won two of them and then the 2010s were kind of like a a they were more of a rebuilding phase and then we're ever willing willing to admit and uh but because he was here they were able to rebuild plus stay competitive which they did i mean the 2012 and 2013 were a bit shaky they missed the playoffs they finished eight and eight both years but uh once they 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 kind of rebuilt their roster a little bit at least on offense you know, they rebuilt the line. Of course, you know, you know, they, they found Antonio Brown. They found Lev Bell. And uh, they were an offensive juggernaut. And and they, by 2015, they were true, you know, they released, um, I don't want to say bona fide contenders, but they were legit contenders again. Certainly in the AFC. Maybe not, they weren't the complete team that they were in, in Big Ben's first six, seven years. But they were definitely good enough to compete for the AFC title and maybe make it back to the Super Bowl, which they did uh, between 20, 2014 when they won the division for the first time in four what four years through twenty seventeen when they uh, they were what thirteen and three and they they lost to the Jaguars. So they were they were legit contenders. They were uh, a, a top heavy team on offense. That's what carried the. Uh, the day for them. So, you know, people say they wasted his uh, last 10 years, but I think they, they did better than most teams do coming off of a Super Bowl run. When you're talking about the, uh, the salary cap uh, problems that teams run into now, uh, which, which they did, you know, 2013, they had to, they had to cut James Harris and they had, they had nothing as far as cap space. So it was a tough, uh, it was a tough time. It, it would have been easy for them to, um, to sort of uh, fall off the cliff and, and be a four or five win team, and it, but it never came to that for them. So I think they did better in the 2010s and than a lot of teams would have, you know. So to say that they wasted Ben's last ten years here, I think that's that's foolhardy or it's unfair to say. I think they they did better than a lot of teams would have done. Uh, you know, if you look at, at most teams in their position, uh, you know, the saints with Drew Brees, they kind of did this. They kind of had like the same uh, era that the Steelers did over, you know, they, after the saints won in 09, it was kind of tough for them to get back to the top again. And they, they never quite made it. And I think the, the Steelers were the same with Ben uh, you know, the Packers with Rodgers. I mean, they were a little sexier. They made it to a few more 
NFC title games, but they never made it back to the Super Bowl after they beat Pittsburgh in 2010. You know, so I think it, you know, it's tough. I think they, they proved all three of those teams proved that it's tough to, to um, sustain that. It's tough to repeat that kind of championship success, especially when, when you have a quarterback who you have to pay so much money to, you know, you have to kind of sacrifice other areas of your team to keep those guys, you know, fat and happy financially, because uh, it's, it's just the way it is. You know, you, it might be nice to, to, to uh, pay those guys, you know, to see, you know, you know, ask those guys to take a pay cut and take less so you can, you know, keep the rest of your roster strong but that's not the real world that's not how the real world operates and and you know with the exception of tom brady that never happens and even with him there have been accusations that that he was taken care of off the books in new england so you know i think uh the oos or the 2010s i should say for the steelers were a lot like the 80s for them but it, it was just sexier because they had you know, a Pro Bowl quarterback, an All-Pro t- uh, receiver, an All-Pro running back, and an All-Pro-laden offensive line. So, I, I think it, it kind of looked better uh, in the 2010s than it did in the 80s. But I think it was essentially the same kind of thing. It was a transition from a Super Bowl era, and it proved to be tough to repeat that success because it's just how it is in sports. So, I don't look at at them as wasting Ben's last nine, 10 years here. I, I look at it as him being the key element that kept them relevant, maybe longer than they, than they would have been otherwise had he retired or left here in 2011, 2012. And, you know, so I don't have a problem with, with how things unfolded in the uh, previous decade do I wish I would have won more? Of course I do. I won one every year. I mean, especially 2017. I, I really did think they had the team to, to win it all in 2017. Um, and if it wasn't for a, a really stupid and convoluted catch rule, they probably would have had the number one seed. They probably would have faced a really inferior Titans team in, in the uh, divisional round instead of the Sam Jaguars team that beat them by three touchdowns earlier that year and then you're playing the AFC championship game at home against who knows the Jaguars, the Patriots. Now, of course, you know, both teams would have been, would, would have been tough outs, you know, especially the Jaguars who again, beat them up in the regular season, but still it would have been an easier path than having to go through Jacksonville again, albeit at home and then having to travel to new England uh, for the AFC championship game. So, uh, I think that was their best bet, but uh, other than that year, I think they they uh, they were they they did well to to just be in the mix because of the shortcomings they had on defense. You know, um, that was a tough thing for them. You know, you had a historic defense during that Super Super Bowl era. How many times? Did they finish number one overall uh, f- during that uh, that era under Dick LeBeau? 
And then all those guys got old and retired. You had to cut James Harrison. He came back, of course, but he was he was a reserve basically after he came back. But that that defense was kind of gone. And then you had to try to um, rebuild. And it's not it's, it's a lot easier said than done. And I think that was proven. And uh, you know the fact that it took them really till 2019 to build a similar defense shows you just how hard it is to to do so especially when you have a quarterback making 35 40 million a year so you know i i uh, as i said already it's it's i'm i'll always be grateful for, for what ben did for this organization he made it a a marquee franchise again he made it a relevant franchise again he allowed us all to brag about super bowls again which you know I mean, let's face it, uh, after the uh, Cowboys won in, in the 90s again, they were the uh, the standard bearer for Lombardi's. And then, of course, they won two in the – Pittsburgh won two in the, uh, the uh, 2000s, and, and it allowed us to, uh, to, to brag again, and that's because of Ben Roethlisberger. So I'll, I'll always be thankful for that. But at the same time, it's 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 – as, as, as sad as I am to see him go, I'm also pretty uh, pretty excited for the uh, this new era to begin. You know, um, who's going to be their new quarterback? And 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 I was asked that question earlier. And be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It is wide open. It really is, isn't it? It's a wide open uh, uh, race right now. I mean, it could be, you know, the the, the smart money as far as a lot of people are concerned is Mason Rudolph with Dwayne Haskins being right behind him. If you know, two in-house candidates, uh, of course, Mason's been here since 2018. He's been the backup since what, 2019, you know, he, he's, uh, been with them. He, he knows the, the, the locker room a little bit. He, you know, he, he obviously knows the uh, coaching staff and they, they know him. So he's the smart money. Of course, Dwayne Haskins with his, First round pedigree and his first round talent, uh, his first round arm, he definitely is a uh, is a candidate. So I mean, those guys, you know, are going to be giving given according to Mike Tomlin in his press conference uh, on Tuesday, his end of season press conference, they're going to be given a fair shot to compete. He didn't say they were going to be the only two, but he said they were going to be given a chance to compete for the uh, starting job in 2022. As far as uh, any other candidates, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it were me, and I've been saying this for a few years now, I would, provided uh, you don't have to reach at 20, I would draft somebody in the first round, and provided he's not a total train wreck in the uh, preseason and training camp, I would throw him in there and let him take his lumps and learn and grow and, and, and get experience because as soon as you draft somebody, uh, the clock is ticking and to let somebody sit on the bench for two or three years, to me, that doesn't seem smart, especially a quarterback, because as soon as you find out about a quarterback, the better, a young quarterback. So that's what I would do. You know, I think that's a smart move for them because 
you know, they have some problems. I mean, you know, they are in a rebuilding mode, whether we want to admit it or not, whether they want to admit it or not. And I think they're almost as, as allergic as an organization uh, to admitting or even saying the word rebuild as we are. But I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, they, they're in a rebuild, so they have problems. They still have to, to overhaul that line. They have some, some uh, optimistic uh, and hopeful candidates and Dan Moore and, and, and Dotson, but you know, you're still uncertain about green and you know, you have other holes to fill on that line. Of course, the defense needs work. Uh, is Stefan Tua coming back? Is, is Alulu coming back? So you have to address that area. Is Joe Hayden coming back? He's a free agent. You have to address that. You have Terrell Edmonds, who they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So, you know, I mean, you, you have you have a lot of areas where uh, that need addressed, right? So uh, in addition to quarterback. So, you know, um, I don't know. I mean – to go out and, and, and bring in an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson for as much as they're going to cost, both in terms of draft capital and in terms of the salary cap, in terms of salary. If this was a, a, a team that was a quarterback away from winning it all, like the 2012 Broncos, I would say, yeah, do what you can to bring those guys in because, you know, a championship is a lifetime thing that we talk about obviously for, for life. You know, we still talk about the seventies titles. We, we talk about 08 and 05. So obviously if you win a title, it's, it's something that's, that, that, you know, sort of uh, props the franchise up for, for forever. So you do what you can to, to win one when you have the opportunity, but I don't think they're there right now, you know? So to spend what you have to spend to get the, one of those guys in here, I think that would, that's not, it wouldn't be smart. As far as the second tier guys, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, Mariota, Tyrod Taylor, or you know whatever second, third, you know, uh, you know, as far as um, bringing one of those guys in, I mean, they would, uh, they would certainly, most of those players, I think, would be, um, you know, especially when you're talking about guys like, like. Um, uh, Jimmy G and Garoppolo and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they would be certainly Andy Dalton. I think they would be okay. Bridge quarterbacks who could, you know, make the offense run smoothly enough in 2022. But, you know, what's your goal if you're the organiz- if you're the Steelers? Is it your goal just to remain competitive or do you want to uh, continue to rebuild? Do you want to, uh, get a youngster in there, a quarterback and, and, and see what he, you know, see, you know, if you can develop somebody, do you want to see what you have in Dwayne Haskins? Do you want to see if Mason Rudolph can, can take that next step? So um, I certainly don't see Wilson or, 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 or Russ or uh, yeah, Wilson or Rogers as the next guy. Um, see like somebody like Derek Carr or, or Jimmy G I don't see again. I mean, it, it, I would be okay with them because I think they'd be an upgrade over what you had last year. But would it be worth bringing them in if you know if your team isn't ready to 
be true contenders in 2022. You know, if you still have a lot, all these other areas you have to address, would it be worth it to bring one of those guys in and, you know, spend what you have to spend like 20, 25 million plus draft capital, you know, just for, just to say you were, you made the playoffs again, you know, or is it better to just kind of bottom out a little bit and, and give, give a, a youngster, the uh, range or, or continue to build the rest of your roster while you let Mason or Dwayne Haskins quarterback all of 2022. I don't know. So to, to answer your question, who do I think is going to be the new quarterback next year? I have no idea. No clue. No clue. And we're probably not going to know until the end of training camp. That's just the, that's just the, uh, the uh, reality of it, unless they do go out and get a Wilson or a, or a uh, or, or a Rogers, we're probably not going to know who their starter is going to be until the end of training camp. That's how wide open it is, and I really haven't had that kind of uh, situation for. Gosh, I mean, even in 03, they knew Tommy Maddox was going to be the guy. In 02, they knew it was going to be Cordell. In 01, they knew it was going to be Cordell. So probably since 2000. That's the last time that the quarterback spot was this wide open for, for the Steelers. So uh, it's going to be interesting times. So I'm looking forward to it. And I have rambled on long enough. Now it's time to take some questions and comments from the live chat. So let's see what we have before I sign off for the night because I am tired. All right. Mark Tubman says TJ for defensive player of the year. I think there's a pretty good chance he's going to win it this year. I mean, if he does, it'd be great. If he doesn't, I I mean, it, it would, I guess it would be unfortunate, but just as, just as long as he uh, continues to get 20 some sacks a year and is in contention for that award, I think the defense will be that much better for it. And George Tesson says, Rex Ryan, defensive coordinator. I don't see it. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be, unless there's some mandate from Art II to hire from uh, outside the organization, I think it's going to be Terrell Austin. That seems to be how they do business now. They promote from within. And let's not forget, you know, Keith Butler, people were praising him prior to this year. Uh and they were critical of him prior to 2019. What was the difference? They had studs in 2019 and 2020. Prior to 2019, they didn't. And this year, they they were lacking in studs because of of uh, to its uh, situation. Of course, Alou Alou, Bush wasn't himself. Uh, even Watt wasn't himself for for many games in 2022 or 2021. So, you know. Uh, it's really not about the coaching. I think it's more about the horses and they just didn't have the horses on, on defense this year. And that's why you know, suddenly Keith Butler is on the hot seat again, even though he might not even be the guy design, designing the, the defense anywhere. It might be Mike Tomlin. <coughs> Excuse me. So I don't see it's. I don't, I don't think it's going to be Rex Ryan. You know, if it's anybody, it's going to be. <coughs> 
excuse me, if it's going to be anybody from the outside, it'll be your what fan Fangio, whatever, somebody like that. I don't see. I don't think Rex is going to want to come out of uh, his slumber to be the uh, the new DC of the Steelers. Ryan O'Toole says the O line killed the entire offense, just like last season. I think that's true, but I also think that <coughs> excuse me, Ben's uh, uh, his uh, regression played a part in that, and I also think it, it. You know, we have to remember it wasn't that long ago they had a first team Pro Bowl running back and a first team uh, All Pro receiver as your as your as uh, there are two main weapons. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to make up. It's hard to make up for that, you know, and it was a pretty bad year offensively for them. And I think it, it, it there's a lot of uh, things to blame for that. And yeah, the line is to blame, but also Ben is to blame as far as his uh, physical regression, but that's, Hey, it happens. And this is Justin Meneke, and he says the Steelers must be must be turning into the Cleveland Browns, is what I see it as. Well, I mean, here's a team that, on paper, if you look at the stats, 23rd in offense, 24th in defense, uh, what like minus 55 and plus in, in, in point differential. Um, they finished last against the run, 29th on the ground on, on offense. And yet they still have found a way to make the playoffs. That's what you call a proud organization. Would the Browns have been able to do that? The Browns, they were everybody's darling in the offseason, last offseason. Going to the Super Bowl, they're going to win the division at the very least. And yet they finished eight and nine. So are they really the Browns or are they uh, just a team that's going through some struggles right now because, um, Life after the Super Bowl, even even though it was a decade ago, is not easy for any organization or for most organizations. So I don't think they're the Browns. I think they're still a pretty proud organization, and I think they should be commended overall for what they did last year, making making it to the playoffs with the problems that they had. You know, I don't think a lot of teams would have been able to do that. So I commend Mike Tomlin for the job he did last year. John Knox says, anyone who is at least 50, well, I'll be 50 soon, in a few months, remembers the post-Bradshaw years. It wasn't pretty, but it wasn't the Lions either. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember uh, when Bradshaw retired in summer of 84. And they went with uh, David Woodley. They had Mark Malone, Scott Campbell, eventually Bobby Brister, um, you know, Neil O'Donnell. I can go on and on and on. It wasn't pretty. But they were not horrible either. So, but, you know, it's like I said, I've been saying this for what, two years now. I think they learned your lesson from the post Bradshaw years. I think they, especially Chuck Knoll, believed that they could duplicate what they did in the 70s by, you know, 
emphasizing defense and the running game. And they kind of forgot that Bradshaw was the missing link for their, even though he struggled mightily. Uh, when he figured it all out in the mid seventies, that's when they got over the hump and started winning Super Bowls. Yeah, the defense was dominant. The running game was the best in the business, but it wasn't until Bradshaw figured it out as a quarterback that they were able to get over the hump. And uh, and I think they spent many years stuck in that philosophy. And even under Cower in the nineties, it was all Smash Mouth, Blitzburg, run the ball, be conservative. And uh, nothing really changed as far as uh, winning Super Bowls until they brought Ben in here and took the handcuffs off him in the second season, and that's when they won. So I think they learned their lesson. They, they now realize as an organization what the most important thing is, and that's quarterback. You know, and 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 you know, and and their defense, uh, even though they became champions in the '70s and they became this marquee organization it was the first time for them and they you know maybe didn't uh necessarily know what it took to climb back up to you know and get back on top of the uh, mountain again and maybe they, they needed that 20 year lesson to finally know uh finally understand what it what it means what, what it takes to be a, a championship team and yeah you need a great defense you need great coaching, but you definitely need a great quarterback. So I, I you know, I'm not saying they're going to find their next guy right away, but I think they're going to, they're, they're not going to neglect it like they did in the eighties and nineties. It's not going to be like mid round picks, maybe second or third round picks. If they're lucky, it's going to be first round picks, or it's going to be a, an accomplished veteran. They're going to take the quarterback position much more seriously this time around than they did in the eighties and nineties. So it's not going to be a 20 year gap of, uh, uh, between, you know, really good quarterbacks, in my opinion. And this is from Will Elamagar. And he says, well, cat, I, I assume he means David, the cash ever play again. I don't know. I assume he's not going to play ever again for the Steelers. I think he's, He's uh, done with them. So I don't know about if, if I were playing the NFL again, but he's not going to play for the Steelers anymore. I know that much. This is from John Knox, and he says, nobody thought the Steelers would go to the Super Bowl anytime soon back in 03. They were 6-10 and 10 that year. And, and two years later, they won it. But... Obviously, the the reason why is because they they found Ben, and you know, to a lesser to a slightly lesser extent, they they found Troy Polamalu, and he was you know pretty important for them on defense. But that's 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 the thing. You you need to uh, you need to strike gold. You you need to find lightning in a bottle, and they were able to find that with Ben in 04. So, outside Steeler fan, kind of reaffirms what I said earlier about, you know, some people not knowing any other quarterback besides Ben. He says, Ben has been my adulthood. There you go. Yeah. I started following the team right when their, their first Super Bowl dynasty crumbled in the early eighties. And, uh, you know, Bradshaw, he was still really good, but you know, when he left after 83, 
you know, it's not like I've watched him play for 20 some years or 18 years, but there's so many people out there that, you know, all they know is Ben Roethlisberger. It's like for me, all I knew was Chuck Noll was head coach. And I couldn't fathom anybody else being the head coach of this team. And I was like, oh my God, life after Noel is going to be horrible. But the, the truth of the matter it was life with Noel was pretty subpar from like 85 through 91. And when they brought uh, Cower in, in 92, I mean, he was a breath of fresh air. He revitalized the uh, team and the, fran- and the fan base. And, you know, they didn't win in the 90s. They didn't win at all, but they were pretty darn close. So I guess the point of that is, yeah, Ben has been, you know, by and large, he was fantastic. But the last few years were not so great with him as far as his production, his performance. So, you know, the next person they bring in is probably not going to be able to match Ben's success. But it doesn't mean that that next quarterback can't be successful. So I'm excited about the future with this team. Evgeny Crosby says, if you go into next season with Rudolph and Haskins duking it out for the starting job, don't even bother. I guess it all depends on what your goals are. Evgeny, Gino, Gino Crosby. If your goal is uh, to win it all, well, yeah, probably not. You're not going to win it all. But if your goal is to continue to rebuild the rest of your roster and save money at the quarterback spot while you reinforce your line, your tra- your de- offensive and defensive line, and you know maybe figure some things out in the secondary, maybe even figure some things out at receiver, and then you 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 kind of make your overall team better. Uh, even with Haskins or, 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 or Mason as your quarterback, then I think, you know, you, you can go into 2023 um, in, in a, a much stronger position, and then you can find your future quarterback, whether it be in the draft or as a free agent. So I guess it all depends. I mean, we have to remember, you know, what they did this past year, and I, I talked about this on Monday on The Hangover, is they kind of did two things at once. They kind of served two masters. They allowed Ben to go out um, with a proper send-off, unlike 2020, where there were no fans in the stands. He went out with a proper send-off. He got to say goodbye, especially in week 17. Yeah, week 17 against the Browns on Monday Night Football at Heinz Field. He got to say goodbye. That was something uh, great to see. It was emotional. It was fun. It was fulfilling. But But they also... engaged in a in a in a massive overhaul of their roster especially on offense you know they revamped or they they started over t- entirely with the offensive line you know they brought a new running back in they they, they found themselves a a a new tight end that presumably who will be a a uh, you know two guys in in, in harris and friar you know they could be superstars in this league for many years to come um you know, the line, you know, it wasn't going to happen overnight, but they found a a uh, a budding starting left tackle in Dan Moore. Uh, obviously, Dotson is Dotson. Everybody loves him at, at left guard. So you got 40% of your line in place. So they have to keep working on that. But the point is they, 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 they started a, a massive overhaul of their roster last year. And they got to say goodbye to their, to their uh, maybe the best player they've ever had, in Ben Roethlisberger 
and they made the playoffs. So, you know, all things considered, uh, not bad. And Michael O'Malley says the standard is substandard, but again, it's not easy to re- to um, duplicate what they did in the OOs. You know, they're, they're not going to win every year. They're not even going to be serious contenders every year. It's just, it's just not how it works in sports. And part of, the, of what made them substandard the past decade was the fact that they, that, that they had a quarterback they had to pay so much money to. They had a receiver that they had to pay a lot of money to. They had a running back who cost a lot. So they had a line that they had, you know, so, you know, to, to try to have a, a whole team, a complete team like they had the OOs, the odds of that happening again in the 2010s were pretty, pretty small yet. They, they remained competitive and they, and they uh, were mostly relevant in the 2010s. So you have to, for the most part, uh, commend them for, for, not totally falling off the math map and becoming yeah, irrelevant. So on that note, I'm getting up against it as far as time. So I will say goodbye. It was a fun show. And uh, I had fun interacting with you guys as always. Uh, with my new job, I'm kind of sleepy this time of night, but that's okay because, you know, it, it keeps me going. I hope you enjoy that NFL action this weekend, the divisional round. I think it's, it's going to be pretty exciting. And, uh, of course, you're not going to stop with your uh, quarterback speculation. And uh, we're in the infancy, in the toddler stage, the embry- embryonic stage of that, I guess I should say. And we have a few more months to go before we find out who the new quarterback of the Steelers is going to be next year. So. It should be a pretty fun and exciting offseason, and I look forward to it. So until I talk to you on Monday on The Hangover with uh, Brian and Shannon, you guys have a great weekend, and as always, go Steelers. Steelers.